0: Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody, bless the Lord. This is Pastor Winfred Burns, and you are now live with the Word on Wednesday. We praise God for each of you tonight, as tonight we are in Acts chapter 18. We have been just moving right along in our study of Acts, and we've learned so much. Um, Really, we we started out uh, in Acts, and the first thing that we learned was that this is an extension of the work of Jesus. Jesus did what he was sent to do, and then he turned it over to us. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, we now spread the good news that Jesus died for the sins of mankind, and that God has shown his grace to us, and by faith we can be saved from the wrath of God and enter into a relationship with him where we no longer have to be separated, but rather we can have fellowship with God. And so Acts is literally the the story of the early church and it's, it talks about Paul's missionary journeys, Peter, what he did. And over the past um, all better than two months, we have been focusing in on Paul's missionary journeys. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week, Acts chapter 18, about verse 5. But before we get started, um, we want to have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you and praise you for all that you are doing. God, you are so faithful to us. And we, in turn, are trying to be faithful to the mission that you have sent us on, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, preaching and teaching your word, making disciples, baptizing, doing all those things that we have been commissioned to do. We thank you and we praise you that you have never left us nor forsake us, and we you honor your word. And God we ask that you would tonight be with us, empower us, teach us, help us to hear from you, and help us to hear what you would have each of us do individually as well as collectively. We thank you and we praise you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you know, we, um, we only spent a half an hour in our Bible study, and so I want to dig right in. We will probably get through Acts chapter 18 tonight and get started on 19. When we left Paul last week, we left him in Corinth. And he has been teach, he has been preaching and teaching in Corinth. He's been followed uh, and harassed in his ministry by Jews who think that in order to be saved, that um, you must be circumcised and that you must follow the law of the Jew and. He, has, he went through, he, when we started the, the journey, we started over in Turkey, and we moved down into Greece. And now we're in, we were in Athens where he suffered some humiliation and embarrassment, and now we're in Corinth. And last week we explained to you that Corinth was a huge commercial city um, and why Corinth was so important but that Corinth was at the crossroads of everything. I mean, you can get some... Corinth was kind of like Chicago. You know, it was a port city. It had two ports, uh, one that was on the Aegean side uh, and another that I forget what the other sea is on the other side, but it opens up to the west and gets you to Italy in a hurry um, or Rome. So people, uh, the smaller ships, uh, what they... Could do is they could drag them through the city since the city wasn't that wide, through a series of pulleys and 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 shave off a lot of sailing time from going around that foot that is that's Greece or that 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 uh, little peninsula that's Greece. So we get we jump right back into the middle of this thing because again Paul's in an argument as usual, and I'm going to pick up at verse five. It says. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, "Your blood be on your own heads; I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles." So the Jews were resisting the word of God, and so and he knows that it's going to bring judgment on him. And so what, when he says, your blood be upon your own head, he says, I'm not interceding for you guys anymore. He says, you are rejecting the word of God. This is on you. I'm done. I'm just done with it. And so, so anything that they did, they were responsible for because they had rejected the word of God. Let me keep going. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now, why would God have to uh, confirm this in him that he was to stay there? You know, Paul has been chased, from city to city. And he realizes that there is a possibility that, but that he could be killed. And in his mind, he's saying, any minute I am going to have to get out of here. And the Lord says, nope. He says, don't be afraid. You don't run this time. This time I want you to stay because this is a place where there is a great harvest. I've got many people in this city. What can we learn from that? First of all, the the first thing that we can learn is that when you're on mission, you are on mission for the Lord, with the Lord. You are on mission for the Lord, with the Lord. You see, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, lo, I am with you even until the end of the world. And so, when we do mission work, we're not out here alone. Even when we don't feel the presence of God, he is there. And The second thing that we learn is that we're not in control of where we go. We saw the first move of the Holy Spirit when Paul wanted to uh, go south in Turkey to Ephesus, and the Lord forbade him from going down there and instead says, nope, go over into Macedonia or go over into what we know as northern Greece right now, when God gave him that vision of that man. Well, now God tells him, Don't go anywhere. Stay put. There are some of you right now in ministry who need to hear from your commander-in-chief concerning some decisions that you want to make. And you think that, you know what? And you know why I can say this real readily? Because where I am right now, I've been wanting to leave for a long time. I'm not comfortable. I don't necessarily care for some of the things that that are going on. And any other time in my life, I would have got up and got my hat. But the Lord has told me, nope, stay put. And this doesn't mean that where I am is a bad place or anything like that. No, it's just that I'm not comfortable. And sometimes we get in, God places us in situations that are not necessarily comfortable, that are not necessarily to our liking. As a matter of fact, we, can, we think to ourselves, I can do better than this. But the Lord speaks to us since we are on mission for him and says, stay put. Or... You could be staying in a situation, and the Lord is speaking to you saying, because you're comfortable in the situation, by the way. You like everything about it, and he could be saying to you, okay, we're done. Time for you to go. But he says to Paul, he says, stay here. We got work to do. I have much people in this city. And Paul obeys. And how do we know when it's time to go and when it's time to stay? Um, we know because of our relationship with God. It says the Holy Spirit is going to lead us. The the word teaches us that the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And so when we are connected to him in prayer, in worship, we're we're constantly hearing. And I encourage you today, to make sure that you're hearing from the Lord by making sure that you have regular communications with him. What am, I, what am I hitting on? Make sure your prayer life is up to snuff. Make sure that you're not out here in your flesh. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. So, verse 12, but when Galileo, was proconsul of Achia. Ooh, boy, am I wrong. I'm pronouncing the night honor. The Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to, to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. So the Jews take Paul before the judgment seat. Of the pro and look at and look look look. This is what here's the charge. He says the man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. Now, what is, what are they saying to him? According to the law of the Jew, so why are they before the pro council? They're before the pro council because what they're saying is. We have a license from Rome as Jews to worship the way we worship. And these people are not worshiping according to the way that we worship. Therefore, they are out of line with the law of Rome. And you need to stop them from doing this. Now, Galileo, he's not buying it, because look what he says. He says, now, wait let me let me back up. Now, Paul hears the charges. Paul hears the charges, and he is about to make a defense. And Galileo basically says, uh-uh, I don't need to hear from you, because this has nothing to do with with Rome. This is about your interpretation of your religion and your belief. What you're trying to get me hooked into is a war of words. You're trying to get draw Rome into what looks like a civil war between the Jews. We're not having it. We're not having it. I don't need to listen to that. Isn't that something? That here Paul is ready to defend himself. Here sometimes we are ready to defend ourselves and ready to defend what we believe in. And sometimes God puts somebody else there to do the work and we don't have to say a word, not a word at all. Isn't that something? You know, a lot of times Um, we think that God is not involved in the affairs of man, that we got to go and do this thing alone. And God strategically places people to do his bidding. Go back in the Old Testament. When it was time for the Jews to be released from captivity, God made sure that Cyrus was on the throne it was prophesied many years before Cyrus was even born that it was going to be Cyrus that released the Jews and led to and, and and bring the Jews back home and begin to restore the temple and the land around it. You see, God's got a plan, and He goes before us and. He knows exactly what's going to happen. You know, you hear him say, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the, be- the end of your ministry before it even begins. And he knows where you are right now. And he knows what you're going through right now. And he sets people in positions to minister to your need. Hallelujah. Let me keep going. He says, he says, let me keep going. He says, I refuse to be a judge of these things. Verse uh, 16, and he drove them from the tribunal, and they all see Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. Now, so what happened? The Jews who were bringing the charges, specifically Sosthenes, he winds up getting beaten by the crowd. While the Jews are hating on Christians, one of the things that we have to be aware of is that the people are hating on the Jews. They were, Anti-Semitism is not a new thing. There there was anti-Semitism, what is wrong with me speaking tonight? There was anti-Semitism way, way back from the beginning of time. Jews have always been under attack. And now they're in Greece, and the reason why they're in Greece is because uh, they were dispersed throughout the land when Jerusalem was overran. They were kicked out of their land. And so they're all over the place. And everywhere they go, there is a a degree of hatred. And so while they're bringing uh, their charges before the Romans, the Romans are sitting there, or the Greeks, rather, that Greek crowd, they're sitting there hating on them Jews. And they see an opportunity to put a whooping on them, and they do it. Hmm. he'll take care of your enemies every time. And I don't rejoice in that, by the way. It's just that, you know, when God won't make a point, oh, he'll put his foot on your neck in a minute. Let me keep going. Verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer, and then he took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At century... He had, his hair, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills, and he set sail from Ephesus. Now, what they're doing he is Paul leaves um, Corinth. Uh, he sails across the Aegean Sea. When he sails across the Aegean Sea, he drops Priscilla and Aquila off in Ephesus where they're going to set up a business. He continues on, and as he continues on, he is on, he, he's going to get back on a boat, he's going to sail from Ephesus, he's going to go from Ephesus all the way over to Caesarea, over in Syria. He, that's his goal, to get back to, uh, over to Caesarea, because from Caesarea in Syria, he's going to go down to Jerusalem. And, and then after he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to go up to Antioch. And when he goes up to Antioch, he's going to report back in. So what, what what's happening is we're coming to the end of his second missionary journey. And this is going to happen in about, oh, I think it's about 52 53, sometime around there. I think it's 52 um, AD. What's important about what just happened at Corinth? The proconsul gave a ruling that creates an atmosphere of peace for the church throughout the Roman Empire. Because just like um, when a a judge, a Supreme Court judge or a federal judge, makes a ruling on something, uh, and once they rule on it, when you go before the, the, the courts again, they'll say, well, according to this case and this ruling, this judge said this, so that should be the rule. Well, that's what happens here. And so there's relative peace Throughout, uh, the, uh, uh, for Christians throughout the Roman Empire because Gallio makes this decision and others will follow this decision. Had he not made that decision that this was none of Rome's business, then what could happen is they, the, uh, the Jews then could go from place to place and say, well, the proconsul Council Galio said this, they said it was wrong they said you can you um, that um, that that they can um uh, that they can't preach Jesus and in saying that and and so since he said it you ought to say it or otherwise you are not in tune with wrong so this this little chapter that we just read that was a huge decision now let me go a little bit further let me see where we are at time okay we're good okay so when he had landed, verse 22, when he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phygia strengthening all the disciples. So it's just like I said. Now, when he, up, you, you asked me, so wait a minute, hold it. Where did you get that Jerusalem place from? Because none of the text says Jerusalem. When he says, um, verse 22, when he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church. The church, the headquarters of the church at this time is considered to be Jerusalem. Notice how, and we get our hints from the way uh, Luke writes this, he went when, anytime you're going up, you're going to Jerusalem. And then look look at what he says after that. He said, and then he went down to Antioch. Well, if you look at where Antioch is from Jerusalem, you would think to yourself that going down would mean that he went south. But instead, Antioch is north of Jerusalem. It's also north of Caesarea. So what we if you if you know if you study your Bible, every time you go up to Jerusalem uh, go to Jerusalem, you're going up. You go, it's always we're going up, we're going up. Jerusalem is a city on a hill. We go up to Zion. Every place else from there is down. And it, and it has nothing to do with north, south, east and west. It has everything to do with how the Jews consider what the Jews consider Jerusalem to be, and it is the city on the hill. It is the high place of God. And once you're going into the presence of God, there's no place you could go but down. You keep going. So then he goes back and he retraces his footsteps that he originally started. He goes back over into uh, Galatia. He goes back over into those uh, Iconium and all of those places that he had been before, those places where he got his behind, whoop, those places that he, were, that he was um, ran out of. This is important for you to see, too. I mean, it, when we read it in our Bibles, we read right through it. But what we get a glimpse of is Paul's commitment to ministry as well as his pastor's heart. You see, this is not just a fly-by-night thing that Paul is doing. Paul is committed to doing the work of the Lord. How committed are we to doing the work of the Lord? Would we go back to places where we weren't welcome at before to make sure that the souls that we won, the souls that God uh, allowed to come into the kingdom are being strengthened and that they're doing the work of God, that's what discipleship is. It, discipleship is not just um, getting a person to join the church and then saying, okay, got gotcha you here, see you in heaven. No, when you make a disciple, you're forming a relationship, you're making sure that they are fed properly, you're sitting, you're sitting down with them, you're praying with them, you're, doing, you're helping to nurture them along in Christ. And until they get to a point where they can then go and help make disciples and feed other people. That's one of the weaknesses in the church today, discipleship. We're great at uh, putting programs together and, and attracting people to the church, but keeping them and, and discipling them. And I'll tell you, as we'll later see when we study Corinthians, the place that he just left. Woo, raising kids is no joke. Raising kids requires that you, it's just like raising regular, regular kids, okay? You got to deal with some smells. You got to deal with some attitudes. You got to deal with some teenagers who think they know everything but don't know anything at all, as they are being formed and as they are being made. Well, that's what you get when you get discipleship. And you really got to have a pastor's heart. You've really got to have a love for the people. You've really got to have a, a patience and wisdom and the ability to know when to say no and to bring down the hammer and then also the ability to be patient and tolerant and, So, oh, he'll know better. He'll get get better. You've you've, you've got to be willing to do that if you're going to be a person who um, does the will of God by making disciples. Let me go just a little bit further, and then we're going to call it a night. Verse 24. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Acacia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So, we get to meet Apollos. And you've just heard the description of Apollos. But one of the things that he was lacking was that he only knew the baptism of John. Now, this is important. You know, because some of you'll say, well, why is that important that he only knew the baptism of John? The baptism of John was a baptism of repentance. And a baptism of repentance just basically said you were baptized and you said you were more or less rededicating your life to God, saying, I'm going to do better. Well, that ain't work because they've been trying to do better all along. But the baptism of Jesus, The baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The baptism in the name of Jesus. And, you know, we've been there already talking about the difference between the two. And there is no difference. Okay? But when you are baptized into Jesus, number one, you don't have to do any better. You know why? Because you did. You are baptized unto his death. Number two, when you come up, you now are taking on the identity of Jesus. So the life that you now live, you live for Christ. When you come up, you, are, um, prior, you, you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit that is within you now leads and guides and empowers you empowers you. So now you're not living according to your flesh, but you're living according to God. You have been born again, born from above. And Apollos does not know about being baptized in the name of Jesus. He doesn't he doesn't know that when you get baptized in the name of Jesus, you now become the representative of Jesus by becoming a reflection of him and also having his authority. Because now you're authorized, you are empowered to do. Apollos doesn't know that. And so Priscilla and Aquila take him apart. Aside, and they teach him more, as, as the King James version says, more perfectly the way. They add to him what he was lacking, and then he goes on because he is a, he's an intelligent man, he's learned it in the scriptures, and he's eloquent. So he's kind of like a finisher. Paul is going to go through, and Paul is basically plowing up the ground and planting the seed of the gospel. And behind him comes someone who uh, has the ability to finish and and finish with excellence the things that Paul has started. Well, we're not going to get to um, chapter 19 tonight at all. I've run out of time. Uh, But uh, if you have any questions uh, or comments, then... If you have any questions or comments, why don't you put them on the screen? I can see them. I'll tell you I could see them, and I'll, I'll answer them real quickly. Uh, for those of you who are uh, on the Global Drive Network, you can call me at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. And if I don't see something in the network, well, in the next couple of seconds, I'm going to pray. And then if I still don't see anything, I'll release you for the night. And we'll be back at Chapter 19 next week because uh, Chapter 19 is going to get gooder and gooder. And, again, I would encourage you to read Paul's letters. Now, we, we just left uh, Corinth. We're going to go into, um, I think next week we get into, where are we going next week? Oh, we're going to go to, to Ephesus. We're going to go to Ephesus read the Corinthian the letters to the Corinthians read the letters to the Philippians read just start reading those letters because those letters accompany in some instances his travels and others is their correspondence as they correspond back and forth sometimes to his need and condition sometimes because they've got questions there's trouble but Make sure that you're reading those letters. You know, we've been in Acts for quite a while now, and as a matter of fact, um, we're supposed to be April, May. We're supposed to finish early part of May. We won't make it. We won't make it. We'll probably be in, in Acts until the end of the summer, but who, who cares? I'm having a great time, and I pray that you are too. I don't see any questions, so therefore, guess what we're going to do? We're going to pray and we're going to call it a night. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We thank you for the things that we've learned tonight. First of all, we learn that you're faithful and that you never leave us nor forsake us. Secondly, we learn that you don't just send us out on a mission and, just, and won't communicate with us. But instead, you are there leading and guiding us at all times. That you give us grace to to endure, and not only to stay alive, but to thrive. We thank you, O oh God, that you bring forth fruit from your word, Father. Even in the midst of adversity, we thank you, God, that you have people, not just willing to provide for us, provide for our needs, like. Priscilla and Aquila and Lydia, but that you've also got people there to defend your word, like Galileo. We praise you for that, God. We thank you, O oh God, that you bring us to and fro. And then, Father, we thank you that we're not out here working alone, but that you have others, you have the apollosies that will come and continue the work even when we're not there. We thank you for ministry partners. God, now, now our prayer tonight is that you will continue to lead and guide us, that you will continue to strengthen us, that you will continue to give us grace and mercy. We pray for every household tonight that that has been in this class tonight and that we'll Uh, view it on tomorrow and the days to come. We pray that you would bless their understanding. We pray that you would strengthen them in their mission. We pray that you would walk with them and keep them leading and guiding at all times. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it. I see somebody said, there's a question. And the question is, do you know anything about the haircut vow? The vow that he made, we don't know what it was. Later on, we'll see a vow that he makes going into the temple. This particular one, we don't, we don't really know what the vow that he made is. No, we have no information about it. We do suspect that it had something to do with, uh, him getting back to Jerusalem for the Passover, because in addition to reporting to the church, uh, he was in a hurry to get back to Jerusalem. Now, if you, if you read the, if you reread the passage again, he was in a hurry to get back to Jerusalem, uh, for what we believe was Passover. So it could have been connected with that, um, other than that, we don't, you know, we can speculate. I've read um, several of the uh, major uh, commenta- commentaries concerning it, and it all comes out as just pure speculation. Um, so that that's as close as we can get to that. Um, appreciate the question. I'm glad somebody asked the question every now and then, even though I half the time don't see them, but I, I appreciate I appreciate the question. Um but later on, what we'll see is that the haircutting will come into effect again. It will come into effect later on because uh, there's a charge about this. Um, we'll see it later uh, after the third missionary journey when Paul is on his way to Rome. Okay? So anyway, everybody have a blessed, blessed evening. Look forward to seeing you again next week uh, as we move into Acts chapter nineteen. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns with the word on Wednesday. Be blessed. Thank you.